0: I'm Audra and I'm Sadie and we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds and we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations
1: so pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books and support your local bookstore
0: Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. So I'm excited to wrap up our discussion on Salman Rushdie's The Ground Beneath Her Feet. Uh, so we're starting with chapter 13 um, and wrapping up the rest of the book. So lots to discuss. Um, it's been really fun talking about this yeah. one. Uh, we've definitely, like, had really good discussions on it. I think it's been it's been a good one to talk about. So I'm glad we did it. Um but before we move on to that, will you please remind everybody what we are going to be discussing next? So what book they need to pick up and get reading on if they have not already.
1: Yes. So our next pick is Liberation Day by George Saunders. It's his new short story collection. Um, I'm really excited. I think I think it's about a nine story, stories worth of a collection. So it's not very long. Um and I think it'll be really good. If, if you've listened to this podcast at all before, you probably already know that my favorite author, um, living author anyway these days, is George Saunders. I am obsessed with him. I think he's fantastic. Um, so I, I am excited to finally be able to discuss his work on the podcast.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited to read it as well. So go pick up your copy from your local bookstore or from bookshop.org and get reading on that. And then I'll be uh, announcing the next book we'll be doing after George mm-hmm. Saunders um, soon. So I'll we'll put that up on the podcast or sorry, on the
1: on the, on, Instagram.
0: Instagram. <laughs> on the Instagram, on the Instagram, um, what are you drinking, Sadie? I um, love when you ha- when you bust out a coupe cup. Uh-huh. There's always something good in there.
1: Well, you'll be proud of me again because I made a cocktail again for this episode. Nice. Um, I made myself like a gin um, fizz, so it is gin, alderflower liqueur, um, lemon, lime juice, and then an egg white shaken and um put in a coop so it has like the egg white just gives it a very nice foam on the top and it's delicious I'm a big fan I'm very proud of myself I even garnished it with the with a I love lemon it. zest mm-hmm.
0: it's very it's beautiful um I did not go as fancy but so last <laughs> episode I made a drink and I put it in these beautiful one of the beautiful Glasses I got from this awesome modern art museum in Massachusetts that we visited together. Mm -hmm. And they're my Berkshire's glasses. So this is, I'm drinking a hard cider. uh, Stillwater is the brand. Uh, Really, really nice. And then I cut up some apple slices to put in there. And it's in my pretty, the Berkshire's glass that's got like orange leaves and uh, deer on it. So nice. It's not super complicated, but like I put some effort into the aesthetics of the thing. So,
1: well, that's what you did last time. You, the last episode, mm-hmm. you did like a spring looking themed cocktail. Yes. And now you're going fall autumn in the autumn glass. I love it.
0: Yeah. So I did put effort in. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm drinking. And it's good. I love, I've really gotten into cider lately. It's really good.
1: Is it pretty dry? I feel like I like, I really like it's a dry, dry. cider. This, okay. Yes. Yeah,
0: Stillwater is a very, very dry, like very dry. It's really good. Um, okay. So lots happens in the last half of the book. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe some major plot points. So we kind of come back to the earthquake and uh, I love how he starts chapter 13, a journey to the center of the earth. And then in parentheses, cab fare from Venus's place, $4 with mm. tip like we get right back into kind of the mythology of it all um but uh, big things that happen we come come back to Vina mm-hmm. dying and there's kind of conspiracy around that about did she really die because you know her body wasn't found and what really happened um and Ormus kind of just loses it and gets he gets addicted to drugs and he kind of is wasting away and there's lots of um, mourning and general mourning for Vina, and the, the kind of this culture comes up of people impersonating her. Yeah. Um, there's drag queens and, you know, people singing her songs and and impersonating. And Ormus is still looking for Vina. He doesn't believe she's died. And he thinks he's found her in a woman named Mira Solano, who sings and has this stunning voice and looks like Vina and dresses up to look like Vina. And she has a baby. She has a daughter named Tara. And actually Rai is the one who kind of, so Ormis shows Rai this on these really creepy security cameras that he has set up where he's basically watching all of these people trying to find Vina and Rai, it kind of starts, it's a love triangle again, but mm-hmm. this time kind of a little switcheroo in kind of the order of it. So it's Rai and Mira who are together but she forms this deep bond with Ormus because she kind of pulls him out of his descent into death yeah. and starts singing with him and being the new Vena and dressing as her and they kind of recreate this musical career um, and I love that part of it and then at the end Ormus is he's shot right from one of the Vena impersonators yeah and it ends with, with Rai and Mira and Tara, her daughter together and kind of this new formation of, of this family. And it just kind of, I, I like how it ends. Cause it ends almost very, in my opinion, like kind of pedestrian, like it's this kind of on the outside, really happy ending with Rai and Mira and Tara. Like he says, I'm looking at Mira and Tara, my islands in the storm And I feel like arguing with the angry earth's decision to wipe us out, if indeed such a decision has been made. Here's goodness, right? The mayhem continues. I don't deny it, but we're capable also of this. Goodness drinking OJ and munching muffins. Here's ordinary human love beneath my feet. Fall away if you must, contemptuous earth. Melt rocks and shiver stones. I'll stand my ground right here. This I've discovered and worked for and earned. This is mine. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into talking about Terra having like a remote control and like them seeing like old footage of Ormus and Vina yeah. Vera on TV. And like I really liked it. And I felt like it just fit with the whole part of the novel and with the, I don't know, just the, there's other, um, sections in here where it's kind of talking about how art serves that purpose of like nothing really dies right like Vera doesn't really die even though they do also have these great passages where they they think they see Vera like they think they saw a figure like still at this house after the earthquake and kind of just that idea of things reincarnating nothing really dying coming back from the dead and and -hmm. that whole concept with which fits so well with the with the myth that it's based on. And that idea of what comes back from the dead isn't really what was before it died.
1: Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I like
0: that section of the book too.
1: Like, it's interesting because like, there's a hopeful, hopeful take on that. But at the same time, like you could also look at the same theme and, and think of, um, rather than, you know, like energy continuing is like a good thing. It could be like a haunting, you know? And I feel like there are aspects of this, book that do almost feel like haunted like like vena seems to haunt these people even when she's like alive honestly like she seems to just stay with them and carry with them but even like with this alternate universe um like there there's this the a couple parts where um is talking about his photography and he talks about how he starts becoming interested in like long exposures and stuff like that and in his photos he starts noticing that he's capturing this silhouette of sorts that is not Vena, but seems like maybe it's Veena um but he doesn't recall ever seeing there and so it seems like he's capturing an image from this like other reality um and then he ends up like having a conversation with Maria from that reality and that all feels very poltergeisty to me, like Mm -hmm. almost even like, especially with like the photography and this idea of like capturing this like person from another realm, you know, feels very poltergeisty to me. And um, and I just interpreted it different. It's like a way of like, like he talks about
0: that when his dad died, when Rai's dad died of like expressing his father after he died and his Mm -hmm. mother. Like, I think it's, I can again. I see. That's where you go with it, and I take of it more of like this way of holding on to something that he knows you can't hold on to. Just like this idea of like things that are sic- circular, and death is going to happen, and the ground is going to fall out beneath your feet. But he doesn't want it to. And it's like, how do we yeah. as humans try to hold on to things that you can't hold on to? And they do the same thing with Vera. They try to grasp her and control her, and like keep her. And even when she dies, they're still trying to like bring her back to life. Like they can't even let go of that when she dies. So just right. this idea of not, not being able to let go and accept the inevitability of those things, which is understandable because those are really hard things to accept that like every, like you will die, you will have loss, like you will lose.
1: Yeah. Like that's no, I that's mean, a
0: really hard thing to to handle.
1: Yeah. Like those are all like like I don't fault anybody for being like torn apart by her death especially like when you think about a death that um is lacking in closure in a way you know like es- especially mm. when you think about Ormus and in his own kind of questionable hold on reality this whole time um being pulled between two different realities um accepting any of those realities as they are would seem silly, right? Like he, yeah, like as someone who exists basically in two of them at any time, depending on which eye he's using, like why would he, why would he just accept that Vina was gone? And why would he just accept that she's, she's dead? Um, I mean, I think he definitely like loses his mind with it. Like the level of surveillance and stuff that he kind of uses and, um, and ride does, you know, tells him that basically, like you've lost your mind, dude, you're like stalking this woman. Um, but I don't fault any of the characters for feeling like that, but I do like, I felt like it was the imagery that felt ghostly to me and like yeah. him seeing, um, when Rye starts to kind of like see people from the other world universe basically like that feels very it wasn't sinister but it felt like a ghost I mean that's it's funny yeah because I think we kind of talked about it I can't remember if we talked about it in the first one or maybe this was just like a private conversation I can't remember but I think I've talked about how like this is like what I think ghosts are (laughs) do you know what I mean like yes like this is exactly what I interpret a ghostly spiritual experience to be is like this this like rip in the time space continuum um so i i enjoyed that aspect of it one thing i want to talk about because we didn't really talk about it even though it came up throughout the entire book but it really like comes to fruition here and when we're talking about vena's death um or the earthquakes and i can't remember which part it is but I, I think it might have been Maria saying this, but she says that, or maybe it was Ormus. I can't remember. But somebody at some point says that the earthquakes are like the the fault lines of um, the universe, like basically yes. like Where coming to a head. Like it's such a great section, and I am so mad and peeved at myself for not having written it. But they're talking about fault oh, lines wait, and I like think fault I, lines with people. I,
0: I think I found it. So for my, in my, because I wrote notes on this too. Like I wrote how I love the description of earthquakes as cultural quakes. Mm
1: -hmm. That's
0: what I took from it. I think this is the section you're talking about, but it, um, page 500. Um, tell me if this is what you're talking about. Earthquakes scientists say are common phenomena. Globally Mm -hmm. speaking, they are around 15,000 tremors a decade. Stability is what's rare. The abnormal, the extreme, the operatic, the unnatural, these rule. May, or maybe there is another section, too, that you're talking about there's, there's where it another, is more about the rifts.
1: Yeah, there's another one. But I do love how
0: earthquakes are talked about.
1: I do, too. And and it's, it's like um, thinking about physical, like natural disasters being like a... Symbol or like the earth's reaction to our tumultuous times or our mm, mm-hmm. you know mistakes of right. humanity are interesting, and then um, I think it I can't again, I, I am killing myself that I didn't highlight it, but there is a part where it's talking about how earthquakes on earth are fall like formed with fault lines, but that like humans have like their own internal fault lines, and mm-hmm. um. Issues and there's there's one where like they I think they might it might be Maria talking about Vina and she's saying that like this shouldn't be happening, like this isn't how it was supposed to go, or this isn't where she was supposed to be. And it mm-hmm. it's almost like the interpretation of that is that Vina wasn't meant for this universe. <laughs> And therefore, yeah. an earthquake swallowed her up to take her back to where she needed to be. Um, and I thought that was, like, it still kind of gets into some of the issues I have with the characterization of Vena that we talked about in our last episode. But I liked this metaphor of the earthquakes, and I thought it was really well done. And um, I did really like the discussion on it. And then also, um, he talks about the last picture that he took of her when they were in Mexico and it's it's kind of just he happened to take a picture like right as she was about to be swallowed up by the earthquakes and um, yeah and it's a photo that you know goes viral one could say and really becomes like the image of the event and he has to hide that he was the one who took the picture from Ormus to, like, protect their affair. He still h- continues to hide it from Ormus even after Vina has gone. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just... I actually... As much as, like, I felt like this book did lose me a little bit in the middle. Um, yeah. All of the way that it comes together at the end, I thought, was really great and um, was really... Like, I think it really came together in an interesting way. Although I will say I um, think that Rai's relationship with um, Mira is bizarre. And, like, I, I, I don't know. It's it, Like, it's the way that she is kind of like this weird um, reincarnation of her in a way but opposite in a lot of different ways yeah um like I I felt like his love with for her attachment to her was always kind of like built around his attachment to Vina like it didn't really feel like at least his interest See, yeah I, was, I, was I, I agree of but I
0: I agree, but I think that's why I liked the ending, because I think that is kind of how it started with Mira. I mean, I think it was interesting that he's in this role now. Like, he basically, he's kind of the central love figure with Mira, but, or with Mia, but then, like, I don't know. I think he starts out that way. There's, like, this cynicism, which he talks about his cynicism, but then it becomes something that's more real once she gets more removed from like Vera and it's almost like she helps him with his grief and his loss Mm -hmm. with Vera. I mean, and and he says kind of towards the end that, you know, he's still like, she still thinks that he's too hung up on, on, yeah. says, um, there's also my past. In Mira's opinion, I haven't completely got Veena out of my system. Mm-hmm. She thinks I'm still silently making comparisons, physical, psychological, vocal. I tell her that if I am, I don't mean to, and I'm doing my damnedest to stop. She's a patient woman, and she's waiting for the day. And so I think that it comes around to that point finally where he, like, he seems, for me, I would think he's more likable to you towards the end, but maybe I'm wrong there. Because he seems to kind of come around full circle with some things. And I think that part of that is the relationship with Mira and, like, with Tara. Like, he he kind of does move to a new place. So even though it started out that way, I think it's not... That's not the direction it's still going. But Hmm. I feel very, like, not defensive of this novel, but obviously, like, I had a more positive reaction to a lot of the situations in it.
1: I guess I would just say I... I think you're right about him. He was more palatable to me at the end. Like, and I do believe that his, um, appreciation for Mira is real. And I think that this like family unit that they create is definitely something that he wanted and he needed and he loves. And like, I, I don't doubt that he has genuine, genuine love. Um, I do feel for Mira though. Like that it, it is a very weird situation to be put in. Um mm-hmm. on Yeah, her how trippy part. would that be? Like like yeah. I, I think that that would be like that insecurity that you just read, you know, where he talk is talking about her expressing these concerns of being compared and um, of him not being able to separate the two of them. I think is, like, such a valid concern on her part and would be, I can't even imagine, like, <laughs> you know, like, it would be really hard to feel like he was even interested in her, especially because I felt like in the way that he talked about Vina throughout the book, a lot of it was very physical. There was yeah. so much physicality about it. And, um... And he explored that, you know, with his art as well. And there, there is a lot of talk about her body and him having her body memorized. And that's totally normal when you're in, like, a long-term sexual, like, emotional relationship with somebody. Of course, you would, like, memorize their body and stuff. But a lot of the way he talks about her um, is related to that physical relationship. And so to be somebody who physically mirrors that person that they you know, we're kind of obsessed with for decades, you know, would be difficult. And then there's also an age gap there. That's interesting. And, um, cause Mira was born when, um, Ormus like woke up basically like 1971 or something. So she's in her twenties and she's dealing with these men who are significantly older. And, um, I just think that that is an uncomfortable position like looking at it now like there's an imbalance there and I I mean it's honestly it's an imbalance that I'm not really surprised to read about like I think that um that kind of an age gap is very common in like the uh Hollywood and like music industry like it's Not that unusual. And I mean, like, Salmon Rushdie himself has been married to many a young, younger woman. I think he's on, like, he just, like, got divorced a few years ago from his, like, third or fourth wife. And she was probably, like, 30 years younger than him. Something like that. Um, So I I guess it, like, is not surprising, but it's an element to that relationship that um, is just interesting to think about. And it's one that I don't think that... Well, it's definitely not
0: appealing. Like, I think for for some people, it's not appealing for me either. It's obviously not appealing for you. So, yeah, like, I think that there are definitely... All these elements, I think, are valid in that they are not... They're, like, off-putting.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't mean that the relationship doesn't have, like, real love. Like, it is mm -hmm. off-putting. It does, like, I have question marks... However, like I said, like I don't doubt that there is genuine love between these two people. It's just a dynamic that is um interesting to talk about. Um which I don't think it's really fully explored in this book. That dynamic or that that um those like differences. But yeah, they're definitely
0: they're definitely not a focus, but I but I feel like there's kind of some off-putting icky parts to most of the relationships like that I see with between like all of them with Ormus and and so I think for me because it's so consistent through the book it's like it it didn't bother me as much does that make sense like it's kind of was to me it felt like it was kind of part of the point of it because it's so consistent in like for instance I remember feeling this time around a little bit off put by the dissolution of Rai's parents' marriage. Mm. Like kind of how he I mean, and this is not in the last half of the book. I'm kind of going back to yeah. the first part, but it just made me think of that. Like, you know, I think even a relationship that was that they very much loved and cared for each other and were obsessed with each other. I think that the the dissolution of it through just their own like shit that they had and not being like those things not being worked through. And I think it's kind of the same with even the relationships between Rye and the three different main locations. Like it's like this love story that also like neither one treats the other very well. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's, and that, and that, that is off putting because it's so obvious, I think to the reader, what the behavior is, that's not good and you don't want it to be, but I I think it's, I think it's just part of it. Like you can't have, it's not the same story without it.
1: It's interesting though. Cause like, I, I think it's obvious to us, but I don't think it's necessarily super obvious to other people. Like, you mean
0: like other characters, like, like some of the characters or like, or, or like mean?
1: even like other readers who would have read this, like, like, okay, like I I I mean, I'll bring up Salman Rushdie. He's been married to younger women. He's had um like again, like he's never really done anything that has been deemed explicitly inappropriate, you know? But I think that um like any man who or or like woman in a position of power, like I think that there have been times where maybe like their position or power or clout or fame in the industry has kind of, like, influenced the people that they've been around and some of their relationships. And so, like, this, this age difference dynamic, for example, um, here, I do not think that Salman Rushdie is very interested nor cares or holds any stock in like the weirdness of that dynamic because he it lives in that dynamic so it's one he clearly seems to be okay with and um again like I do think that there can be very like fantastic relationships with an age difference it's not like that that is um in and of itself a bad thing and she's clearly like an adult woman when she gets in a relationship with him, but it is a, a layer to the relationship that should be considered. And it's something that I thought about a lot
0: as I well, it's it. definitely one we're talking about for sure. And yeah. I think that, I think there's lots to like consider when reading the novel and, and how it makes you feel and, and kind of the, the duality of it. And I think that this is another element of that for sure. Yeah. Um, what, what else did anything else like really strike you from the ending? Cause you did mention even, I think in our last episode, how things kind of wrapped up. I don't know if that's how you said it, but you liked how everything kind of got tied up together. I so did. like, what are some other elements for you?
1: Um, I liked, um, I don't think we talked about it actually at all in any of the three episodes. Um, but Ormus's brother, Cyrus, the murderer. Yes. Oh
0: yeah, we did. We did not. He was an interesting
1: character. He was an interesting character, and he was one that surprised me because he he really isn't in there in this book a whole lot, but he's throughout the whole book, and I think like that is important for some reason. I I, mm-hmm. can, I don't even know if I can explain why, but um, so Cyrus is a murderer. He's like a psychopath, and he is kind of important because at the beginning of the book we find out that he tried to smother Ormus with a pillow. Ormus was singing, and he was annoyed at the singing, and so he tried to smother his little brother. And it terrified Ormus so much that he went silent for 14 years and did not sing again until he met Vina. And um, as a result of, like, that behavior and him trying to smother his little brother, um, his family sends him to, like, a reform school, um, basically, and they like really ignore him and like kind of totally cut him off and, um, anyway, yeah. And then we find out in, I think, I think still in the first section that we discussed for the podcast, but, um, we find out that he's like, a he smothers people he's he's called like the pillow Yeah, he's a serial killer killer. Yeah. yeah and he goes and kills a bunch of people and he goes to prison for it um and then you find out that he escaped and we like believe that he killed um ormus's father and that his other brother was like somehow kind of involved although like nobody will really say but like there are questions kind of thrown around and that's kind of just really what we get are these just like nuggets. It's a very like important start to Ormus's story. Um, especially regarding like music and song and expression. And then, um, a big catalyst for leaving India. And then at the end he kind of comes in again and it's about him being, he's still in jail and he'll be in jail, you know, for the rest of his life. Um, but it talks about him kind of being, like, afraid of this other self and how he is very nice and, like, very polite at the prison and he has, like, followers and, like, even the people that work there, like, think he's wise and and really seem to like him. But he's, like, scared of this other part of himself. And I thought that was interesting. Like, at first when I read it, um... I didn't like how he was kind of brought back again in a way that mm-hmm. didn't really, like, have any reason to Like, be you there. felt like it didn't fit, <laughs> like
0: it, it was superfluous, kind yeah, of? Yeah,
1: it did. Um, but I do think it is interesting, like, why... Like, there's got to be a reason for it because he is throughout the whole thing, and he was the only one... I mean, there were other parts that I felt, like, were superfluous, but Cyrus is one that um, stayed throughout each section or act of the book, you could say like, um, and then we talked about, it. and I felt like that was purposeful, but I don't really know why, but I th- I thought it was interesting and I enjoyed reading about him. I kind of took
0: his purpose in some ways, like of why it was throughout the novel is he's like kind of this figure that represents, like he's another representation of like death and the ending of things. And he's Mm -hmm. one that's like bringing it about. And it's like, I think in some ways, Ormus is kind of his own worst enemy, cliche as that is, but Cyrus is like a literal representation of that. Like he's, he's his brother. He's a murderer. He, but also you kind of, and he's, he's like criminally insane. Right. And it's almost like, I think it just kind of went along for me with kind of these alternate realities, like these other manifestations of all of these emotions that are talked about in the book and these like deep feelings and love and death. Like he's just another representation of it. So I didn't really see him as superfluous. I feel like he was, there's lots of side characters, right? Cause they're not, which they're not, he's not one of the main characters. He doesn't really like have these, story altering necessarily roles but he he really for me enhances it and it enhances Ormus's story like to also what it what it's like to be someone that has that as a brother on top of his twin brother like he's definitely got all these different things pulling at him and I think that that for me it added to who Ormus was it added to Ormus's character development because I don't think you get as much of that out of Ormis and Vera as you do Rai because he's the narrator. So I think you almost have to rely on other characters to help flesh out and like add more layers yeah. to some of these main characters. So I think that's kind of how what his role was for me.
1: Yeah, I mean the when when he's brought back up again is kind of weird. Cause I I like I think it's um after sheesh it might be when they are starting the new the oh god it's like it's like right after he they find mira and um and then it just t- starts talking Kind of randomly about him. And then it just doesn't really, like, go anywhere exactly. But it ends with um, Cyrus being considered the new, hot, unwritten story of the VTO phenomenon. And then he's given travel arrangements to yeah. to go speak with, like, reporters. Yeah, this is, like, right before the Into the Underworld tour is... is written about with Mira and Ormus um like I I still don't know if I really like thought he needed two pages like worth (laughs) for this like little like bit about him you know and like the letter that he writes to Ormus and stuff and kind of like what everybody in jail thinks about Cyrus like I don't know if I needed all of that information but I did like this like through line and I agree that it does speak a lot to Ormus's character and like is important to who Ormus is. And I mean, really, I mean, I think Cyrus outside because I do think that there are a lot of superfluous characters in this book. I feel like Cyrus is one of the only periphery characters that I felt actually did have a hand in where this story goes. Because, I mean, he literally is the hand that smothered Ormus and silenced him for 14 14- years years and um is part of the reason why like they leave india and um it's kind of like this like family shame that follows him you know even though you don't really hear him talk yeah. about it but it's a shame that it happens and and then when you bring fame into it like i think that is um another thing to think about because like Vina was so open with herself and her like she really like laid her life out on the table um for people and ormus isn't really like that and so and he actually has something to hide the other you know that's like vena is promiscuous but he has like a serial killer for a brother like it's just a, a very different kind eh, of thing eh, to hide eh, like,
0: <laughs> yeah that's a really good point and i do think it I think that is part of it. Like what you said about, you know, Cyrus is the reason they left India. Like it it ties back. I think Cyrus is also for Ormus that tie back to India. Like it's yeah, it's you know, they leave, but like that's still their home and why is it their home? And sometimes it's their home but you don't want it to be. And and so I think that he's he really does serve that purpose for for Ormus. And also I just thought it was a good story.
1: <laughs> oh, I think so too. I think he's very like cypress is very interesting um and like intriguing like i feel like everybody's intrigued by like like oh you have like a brother who's a serial killer interesting like people are into that stuff it, it is interesting um I'm trying to think if there's anything else that i wanted to talk about um okay i do have one it like okay. really
0: has no like i part of it too is i love the pop culture stuff i mean it's not of current pop culture but I do love how that's all brought in yeah like and normally I'm not a big fan of that in books but so did you remember that there was like a huge Star Trek reference in the book like that's actually all talked about no so it's in so it's on page 490 okay so and they're talking they're talking about um like the impersonations of Vena so he says I'd heard about the impersonation craze the Vena supper club cabaret look the underground heavy metal and reggae venas, the rap venas, the vena drag queens, the vena transsexuals, the vena hookers on the Vegas Strip, the vena strippers outnumbering mm. the Maryland's and long-tall Texans on amateur nights around these infinitely varied United States, the porno venos on the adult cable channels and closed-circuit hotel TVs, the hardcore under-the-counter blue video vinas, and the innocent biannual gatherings of dweeby karaoke vinas whose numbers rivaled even the... Indefatigable star trek conventioners. in point of fact <laughs> vena had once been a guest on the next generation television series conjured up on the holodeck to sing for an enamored wharf he taught her Klingon and she taught him hug me or another similar sounding tongue when the trekkies remembered this they invited the vena people to join forces with them but vena was vena was bigger than the than the enterprise now she was in a continuum of her own, perhaps even the fabled Q. That's so which, Huge, huge gratifying for like a total Trekkie. Cause all of that was great. Like, but, but I like, I, part of why I liked it was not just, you know, obviously the reference, but this connection with how Vina and people like her and these stories and these women mm. create such, such a myth, even after she's gone. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing to think about. And this book made me think about it more of how, of kind of our current look on people and who we worship in that way and how we do and how how it can go from the seemingly um, respectful to really seedy and like where we draw those lines and what's too much and what's not enough. And I don't know. I just, I think that was an interesting part of the book. And I thought more about it this reading around than I did the first time. Like yeah. kind of those references... I connected with it more mostly from having more knowledge of these things, but that really enhanced the book for me too.
1: Yeah. I think that like talking about celebrity and like, especially when you bring in dead celebrities and celebrities who die Mm -hmm. young, like people get very attached and, um, defensive of these like celebrities that have died. Like you think about, um, like Marilyn Monroe, For example, she's like the classic one to think about, but like um, Blonde, the movie that just came out, um, it's like a fictionalized Mm -hmm. telling of her life. Um, And people are so mad about it, so mad about it. Um, Because it was, I haven't watched the movie. I've heard it is very exploitative, Um, and I did not read the book that it was based on by like i think joy joyce carol oates i think is the one who wrote it yeah
0: i read i read the book
1: but it what was your take on the book cuz i find it's interesting to me that the like how angry people are about the movie and i'm wondering if it's isolated to the movie or if the book was like that as well
0: um to be honest i don't remember that much about it like oh. i really like joyce carol oates and that but that wasn't one of my favorite of her books but i haven't ever really been that interested in like Marilyn Monroe or like, and I, but I like had a friend in high school that was very much interested. And so like, that just wasn't everyone that stuck with me. So I really didn't have a desire to watch the movie. And while I read the book, I read the book because Joyce Carol Oates read it, Mm -hmm. not because of wrote, excuse me, not because of what it was about. So, but yeah, so, but that's why I think it was, it's interesting because I don't, you know, that's not something I connect with. So it's interesting to read about that mm-hmm. connection and maybe why and where it comes from and to just have more of an understanding maybe of like, why is humanity we do that and mm-hmm. how different people look at like mythic figures like that. I mean, and part of what I liked about it is I really think that while, and we've been talking a lot about kind of how Vena has been portrayed and Mira and like the women in general in the story, like there is, I think it's on 496. He's talking about like, women and how they're goddesses and how they're holding up the earth, which is how we have this idea of mother earth. He says, yeah. now Vena, our beloved Vena, has joined these women, the greatest of women who hold up the earth from below as mighty Atlas holds up the sky. And he, and then he goes on and talks about different goddesses in like history and literature and how they're talked about, and not understood. And so I think that's part of what the point is, is it's like we revere these women, we revere Vina and Mira and Marilyn Monroe and these different women. We revere them as much as we like hate them and try and take them down. But none of them are really ever understood. Like mm-hmm. Ormus and Rye worship Vina, but don't really ever get her. And yeah. I think that's part of the point is it's like you, they're not really seen or known, but that's not their fault. It's like our fault. You know, where you yeah. you construct this image of people to a point where then they can't even show you who they truly are because now they're living in that image as well. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah, I think it does. I think it like um, I don't know if like I th- like I th- I mean hmm, I don't know how to express this. Like I feel like in some ways this book, as much as it talks about that problem, I think that. In some ways, it contributes to the problem, but uh-huh. um, I see what you're saying. But like, it's still good to think about. And and I also think like, celebrity is just an interesting thing because you're also talking about. You know, I I would say that Salman Rushdie is one of the few authors that are treated like a celebrity. You know, like because writing is a very interesting kind of art and profession in that outside of the like publishing world you know it's tough to say if anybody would recognize authors on the street like they're not given the same kind of like um celebrity that um actors or like musicians are that rely very heavily on like their personal presentation you know, like mm-hmm. it, a lot of it is about their like phys- physicality and their performance in a way. Whereas writing is something that's like very, uh, like much more internal and much more private. And like a writer could be a recluse and they could still be like mm-hmm. a very successful writer. They could be anonymous and they could still be very very successful. Um, yeah. But Salman Rushdie, I think, is a very is like one of the few that I think is a celebrity that like people would recognize. And a lot of that is because of like the love that people have for his writing and and the the cultural impact that he unquestionably has had. And um, so it, it's interesting thinking about a celebrity kind of writing about celebrity in that way. I should I, yeah. be fair. I don't know. What level of like recognizability he had in 1999, but it's interesting thinking pretty, about pretty that now. Pretty high up
0: there too, especially after like the Satanic Verses and, um. Yeah. So I think I think pretty well known. I would say, yeah, like definitely achieved a level of that. But yeah, it is interesting to think about. Well, I. I mean, if nothing else, the book sure gave us a lot to talk about, yeah. and yeah. I really enjoyed having that discussion and especially hearing other viewpoints on it. So like, if you guys did not read it, I please hope you please go read it. It's really great. All of Salman Rushdie's works are, but this is one of my favorites. So, And if you liked it, didn't like it, we'd love to hear what you think, yes. as always. Yes. Okay. Um, will you remind everyone one last time yes. what the next book they should pick up is? Yes, our... We'll be discussing that for the next two episodes, right? Is that what we decided? Yes.
1: Um, so our next pick okay. is Liberation Day by George Saunders. So go pick up your copy. It is a collection of short stories, so you can take it piecemeal as you want. And then um, Audra had told me that she heard that the audiobook is really um, yes, supposed to be really good, too. So if you want to enjoy it in that format... Um, I feel like his audiobooks tend to be pretty great. Um, he usually like is able to get some really, really, really good like voice actors to do it. And um, yeah, so go pick up your copy or buy the audiobook or however you choose to indulge. Yeah, well, I'm excited.
0: So thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.